Hello, Ryan. You're back. Against my better judgment, yes, I am. <laughs> well, Einstein defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So by that logic, you're an absolute lunatic. <laughs> Maybe I am expecting a different result today. Maybe I'm expecting this one to be good. Well, we got a, <laughs> we got a different <laughs> result from the first three tests, so... True, exactly right. Jeez, how, how, a draw. Finally, it's not going to be a whitewash. That's a bit disappointing. Oh, is a 4 0 still a whitewash? Technically, no, I guess not. The whitewash has to be all five, it's, doesn't it? It's, it's, I guess it's still a, yeah, I don't know what you call it. Bag. It, it's a bag, bag of wins. It's a, it's a sweep of some sort. Um, you, you actually went to this one though, you went to the test. I did, I was out there on day one and day three the two most rain-affected days, so clearly <laughs> my uh, my luck continues. But it was still always good to be out there and watch live cricket. So, uh, you do think you're not missing much by not being at the ground, then you go out there and you realise just how much better it is to be out, a, a with there with crowd, but also just to watch the whole ground and watch where the gaps are and see the tactics in play and not just be relying on Shane Warne, you know, with his well, 58 agenda. Yeah, well, so that's... It actually, it actually is quite enjoyable to be out there at the game and it is a different feel and it was good. Well, that's the plus. You don't have to listen to the TV if you're out there. You can probably get a radio in, but I mean, yeah, that's always a... And famously, the, uh, we talked about this off air before we started, but famously the SCG has changed their menu. How are the oysters? <laughs> Uh, well, I always have oysters when I go to the cricket. I don't know about you, you uncultured heath. Uh, I did not have any oysters. I had a chicken burger and beers. Kept it pretty simple. You know, I, I usually go for the foie gras when I go to the cricket. Personally, I don't. I don't much care for oysters. Um. Anyway, moving on to actual on-field matters. Um, I don't know if you saw this coming, but Kawaja comes straight in and actually scored some runs. It's shocking to me that a world-class batsman averages 41 and has numerous centuries at this level would come in and do well, uh, as opposed to uh, a second-grade first-class player in Marcus Harris not doing well. It's just stunning to me that, you know, that would happen. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I was not shocked that Kawaja scored runs. I was shocked he scored 200s, though. I don't think even the Aussie's biggest fan would have envisaged that happening. It was a bit of a dream come true, but... It was good to see as he get back in that team and score some runs. Yeah, the first player since 2006 to twin time at the SCG, which I guess now that you think about it, you know, not that odd because uh, twin times in a test is very rare. But I think it was only the third of all time as well. Because I think Ponting and then there was some bloke in the 50s. Um, and then, you know, it was a pretty, pretty special moment. Obviously, it's his, not anymore officially, but it is his home test from Sydney bringing it back in. Everyone was there. His family was there. And then pulling out the LeBron James silencer, much to Mark Howard's um, utter bemusement. <laughs> well, he's kind of good at doing those century celebrations, was he? Because a couple of years ago, he did the dab and copped yeah. some flack for it. And I think a few years ago, he might've even done a little jig or a little dance. So he, he certainly likes to put a little bit of his personal flair into his century celebrations. But hey, if you score a century in a test match, I reckon you can do whatever the F you want. And, you know, obviously, you're a LeBron James aficionado, so you straight away recognise the celebration, despite your age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, obviously, as a Lakers fan, I've seen that celebration many times. Um, and even before he was a Laker, LeBron was doing that celebration. So, yes, I did recognise it straight away. I thought it was a little bit derivative. I thought it was he could have come up with something original. But <laughs> you know what? As I said, you score 100, you can do whatever you want. So, well, fair play to him. Was that, was that the day you were there? I don't remember what day it was. No, as I said, I didn't have much luck with the days I went there. I missed both of these hundreds, unfortunately, mm. uh, which would have been awesome to be there because geez, he batted well. I mean, obviously, if you score 200, you batted well, but his timing, his tempo, his patience, he's playing the ball underneath his eye. Um, I, you know, I am going to steal someone's point here. I think it might have been Mark Howard's point. He actually had a different plan to each bowler. So he actually went into the test having done some preparation or having done some homework and some analysis because he changed the way he batted two different bowlers. So, you know, it obviously everything paid off for him. I think, you know, he's grown up a bit as well, obviously, as you do. He's got a young, young family now. And I guess your priorities change a little bit. You don't put so much pressure on yourself to perform because you know that there's other things in life to look forward to. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was an awesome moment to see him get that first hundred and then 
to see him get the second one was kind of surreal, to be honest. But you know, he deserved it. He, he deserved. He deserved. And you know, he never looked like getting out. I think the only reason he got out in the first innings is because they were starting to chase some runs before the declaration. But he could have very, very easily had two not out hundreds as well, which would have been a fair feat. Yeah, and, and you know, not to labour the whole LeBron stuff, but and maybe I don't know how true this is. It might have been exaggerated for broadcasting reasons, but they did enjoy you know bringing it up. At, oh, LeBron's such a personal inspiration. He inspired him to to lose all this weight. Like, like it wasn't even it wasn't a marshmallow before, but you know, it looked. He looks fitter. He's in the best shape of his career. Um, this, that. I, I did enjoy because obviously when he did, when he got the first hundred, and then they they saw him do the silencer. I, I was waiting for. I really hoped that they wouldn't figure it out, like what it was, before they close the place. So they'd interview him and go, "Oh, so what was he tell us? Was that a culturally significant dance? Like, just walk us through it." <laughs> yeah, why were you breaking your bat across your knees? Yeah. Is that something to do with? Your, your heritage from Pakistan? What was yeah. that? Yeah, no, um, no, but um, but on the actual play, yeah, he looked, you know, hadn't missed a beat really. He'd been well, his last test was what Sri Lanka a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, so yeah he, he, straight in. I mean, and look, he's been in good form in Shield cricket, so it wasn't like he'd come in through the wilderness. He's been scoring pretty heavily for the last two years, so he's been in good nick. As I said, he's matured a bit. Um, no pressure really because you know he was under the impression there was only ever going to be one test irrespective of what he did so I think that probably eased the pressure off him it was 3-0 he's playing on a ground that he's played a lot of cricket on so it was the perfect scenario for him to score runs but you still got to go out there and get them you know as a batsman you're, there's always one ball that's got your name on it and he I think he was dropped at one stage but other than that he looked pretty flawless and you know, just capitalised on the chance that he was given and now has presented a quite the headache for selectors, I would imagine. But a good headache, good headache to have. Yeah, he, he was interviewed after play and, you know, he's come out and said, yeah, look, I pretty much expect to be dropped for Hobart. And what he says publicly about understanding the process and the continuity and how important that is and how he, he didn't like being chopped and changed when he was a regular and then he expects the same thing now. Saying that is one thing, but deep down, he's like, you, you idiots, pick me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's part of him that, you know, wants to get picked, but he's, he's a pretty honest customer, was, was he? He always speaks his mind. And he talked about... his own detriment to- earlier in his career. <laughs> yeah, truly. But he had spoken to George Bradley, and George Bradley speaks, uh, uh, preached the importance of continuity. So, you know, if they do go with Harris, at least they've been consistent in that respect. But by the same token, you've got to have a little bit of common sense. And I don't think Australia's batting is in such a position where we can be leaving out someone who just scored twin hundreds. That, that to me, would be insane. And it's not like Uzi hasn't opened in Test Match cricket. I think he's opened five or six times and averages 98. So it's not like we're just throwing him into a position that he hasn't succeeded in and he hasn't batted before. So, you know... I don't mean to jump ahead if this is going to be covered later, but I think it's crazy if they maintain, if they retain Harris uh, and don't pick Quaja. That would just be insanity for me. I mean, continuity is one thing, but I do like when they, uh, if there's like a team having a bad season in like the footy or something, like, oh, you know, they've, they've been consistent, you know, consistently shit. It's the <laughs> yeah. same. It's the well, same. I mean, you, you, <laughs> We open the podcast with, you know, the definition of insanity is, is repeating the same mistake over and over, you know, waiting for Harris to come good and be as good as Kwaja. That's the definition of insanity. You know, it was, he's played 44 tests now. That's not a small sample size. He's, his average probably crept up to 42 maybe after this. I'm not sure, but it was 41 beforehand. So we're not talking about a, a slouch who hasn't performed at test cricket, but well, unless we're talking about Harris, in, in which case we are talking yeah, about yeah. a slouch that hasn't performed at cricket. Um. Yeah, because I was obviously I was looking up yesterday. Just you know, Uzi's played forty-four tests, and part of this is you know England do play more tests, mm-hmm. and part of this is the national selectors in this country should be trialed for war crimes. But uh, K- Kawaja has played half the amount of tests as Johnny Bairstow, for oh, example. Because wow. when when yeah. Bairstow scored his hundred, they said uh, seventh hundred in eighty tests, and I looked at that and I was like, eighty tests. He's played 80. That's Steve Smith numbers. That's insane. Yeah, I had a fight with someone on Twitter not too long ago about how many chances should he get. You know, he's been dropped four times. I'm like, yeah, but he didn't deserve to get dropped, the three of them. That's, <laughs> that's irrelevant. If you don't deserve to get dropped, it doesn't matter how many times you get dropped. So anyway, hopefully they retain him. I'm not sure what they'll do. Um, I think it would be crazy not to retain him. And I think Harris is probably the obvious person to miss out. Well, I mean, yeah, Kalacha, 
you know, there was a countdown for when he was going to uh, overtake Harris total runs for the series. And he did that, you know, in, in about an hour in his second innings. He, he's now the, the fifth leading run scorer in the series and the fourth Australian, the only Englishman up there is Joe Root. 238 runs at an average of 238. That's what a not out does for you. Strike rate of nearly 60 as well, which for test cricket is pretty quick. Um, whereas you and it was at, a pretty tricky deck. Like, a, you know, that wasn't like an easy deck to bat on. Well, that's what I was going to... So freely. Yeah, I was going to bring so that up as well. Yeah, I was going to say that the rest of the top order didn't exactly make... And look, part of that is Harris being shit and everyone else not being the best of form, the good form, not great form. But yeah, like the rest of the top order didn't exactly pile on the runs either. Um, you know, Smith got a 60-odd, but then... You know, Manus didn't have a great test with the bat. Warner didn't have a great test with the bat. Harris is Harris. So, yeah, there wasn't wasn't much to write home about. You know, they were contextually important hundreds as well because they weren't scoring many runs otherwise. No, definitely not. And, and England were bowling well as well. I think they were starting to get a bit of movement off the seam. Uh, they probably got the best of the conditions in some respects from a bowling perspective. You know, with the, the, the on and off with the rain, there's always a bit hard for batsmen to, to realign themselves. Um, and start the ringings again. So, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't an easy deck to score on. Um, so to get 200s on that against an attack that was bowling quite well, Broad in particular, I think Leach is probably the, the, well, definitely the best um, test he's had in this series. So, you know, very, very well batted from Uzi. And we could talk about Uzi all day, um, but that's been done. We need to talk about someone else who I don't think has been covered enough in the national media. Scott, Scott Boland, just again, another seven wickets. Brings his um, test career to, to 14 wickets at an average of eight, 8.6. It's uh, pretty yeah, he, ridiculous. He, he's got quite the cult following now, which is awesome to see. You know, we've got some big personalities in, in that Australian team, but to have someone who's not a big personality is quite reserved and even a little bit shy, very modest. For him to be the latest kind of cult hero, I think is awesome. And, and you can see that the standing innovation he gets when he goes back to, to third man or fine leg after taking yet another wicket. He really has become like, I won't say a modern day move Hughes or anything like that, but he certainly is a very popular cricketer at the moment because it's a great story and he's he's unassuming and and he's awesome. Australia loves a winner and he's certainly helping us kind of, you know, put our best foot forward and, and win as many tests as possible at the moment, even though it was a draw. So, yeah, he's definitely a cold hero. But, you know, from a bowling perspective, he, he's almost exactly what we need from that third seamer because he's just a bit different to everyone else. He, he's not left armour like Stark. He doesn't necessarily hoop it around or, or, or get the pace that Cummins does. But what he does is just put it on a 20-cent coin and, it, you know, he puts it on a 20-cent coin and if it doesn't move, it's a good ball because it's just in that corridor. And if it does move, it's a great ball. So you're only ever getting a good ball or a great ball from him. And that's that's just, you know, as a batsman, you've just got to be on your guard at all times because when he does get the, just a nibble back a bit, then the LB is coming into place. If it nibbles away, you're getting, you know, caught behind. So as I said, he either bowls a very good ball or a great ball. That's, that's the only two balls he's got. And that's a pretty good armory to have. Yeah, as it was drilled into the us by the broadcasters puts it on the hanky or the shoebox, you know, and that little, that little graphic yeah. they put up just, and obviously yeah. that's Hazelwood's role. And I think Hazelwood probably, I think, I don't think he's playing Hobart either. So. No, he's been ruled out. Yeah. It's yeah, funny so, when they do talk about that, though, they put it on a handkerchief or a shoebox and then they show the replay go, well, it's actually sprayed around quite a bit. And then they show ball. It's like, Oh shit. He actually does do that. It actually <laughs> is. The ball is in with like within 10 to centimeters, 10 to 15 centimeters of the same uh, place each time so he really is quite like a bowling machine but then he just gets that variation as well and it's just it's a perfect combination of, of um, accuracy with a little bit of skill to, to get the ball to move away or in and he's the third leading wicket taker now for the series tied with pat cummins he has 14 wickets um only two behind lion who has 16 and stark's got 15 he's five ahead of the first englishman can you guess who the Leading English wicket taker is? Uh, it'd be Ollie Robinson, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even play this test. Insane. That's tragic. He's got. I'll, I'll tell you one funny thing you did notice being out of the field is when bowling, event, I think he bowled first three overs without giving a runaway and then he leaked a single and the crowd booed him. Which <laughs> <It> was hilarious. <laughs> it shows how tight he's been with his economy. Well, the, the crowd was booing Pat Cummins when he kept stealing strike before Usman's 100. So, you know, no one's yeah. safe. Yeah. 
brutal town, Sydney. But yeah, Ollie Robinson is leading English wicket taker with nine wickets. Um, that's it's not good. Um, I guess I didn't even from one bowler who's obviously, you know, endeared himself to the nation, Scobo and all that stuff. I guess when you keep banging on about the same point over and over, eventually you're going to be proven right at some point. And Mitchell Stark probably does need a rest. Yeah, and I think he should have been rested for Sydney. I think we talked about this in our previous pod. Given that the fifth test is in Hobart and it's a pink test, he should have been an automatic selection for that just because his record um, with the pink balls is awesome. And I think based on what we learned from the India series last year that we should rotate through the bowlers and giving them five tests in a row is, is probably one too many. He should have been rested for Sydney. Now, it would have been bold because he bowled well. It would have been a bold decision because he bowled well in the first three tests. But that's why we've got this depth now at the moment for this exact reason. He should have been rested for the fourth test. And that's not Harry Hindsight. We talked about this before this test. Um, yeah. I think that now we've got the position where, geez, it looks like he's tired, but the pink ball test is where he rises. What do we do? And they painted themselves into a corner now where if he doesn't perform, everyone will be like, what were you doing? He looked tired in Sydney, but you picked him anyway. And then if you drop him, it's like, what the hell are you doing dropping for a pink ball test? So they should have been more proactive in resting for this test, I think. Yeah, and, and look, it, if, if he does get a rest, at least, you know, Jai Richardson's another pink ball specialist. So it's 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 hardly a, a huge drop-off. But yeah, like we're not exactly doing victory lap. This isn't like a Luka Doncic level victory lap. Like I knew he'd be good. Like, yeah, we said this after Melbourne. Like if you're going to, because last summer, like we learned, excuse me, um, Mitchell Stark just isn't built for five straight tests. And well, no bowler really is, but Stark especially isn't out of our cartel right now. And then you just, again, insanity, you repeat it. <laughs> Do the yeah, same and thing. That, and just, there, there's not a big gap between the, these five tests in between each test. So it's a fairly condensed schedule for a number of reasons. So, you know, they go off to Hobart. And I think the game starts on the 14th, which is Friday. Friday yep. yesterday. So it's not a massive rest in between. So they've got a big decision there because he definitely looked tired. At one point, he was grabbing his ankle. And I know that pitch had some holes right where they were delivering their, their, their front foot. So, you know, you probably need some treatment on that. Um, but he looked tired as well. So he looked tired along with looking just a little bit banged up. Um, so, yeah, big call to, to be made now on whether they pick him for that fifth test or not. Well, on that, even the footmarks, yeah, Scott Boland just brought his launching space back a step and didn't affect yeah. it at all. Still on the shoebox. Yeah, yeah. And to, be, to that point, I don't know why more bowlers don't just make sure they don't get that foot behind that front ball to prevent themselves from bowling a no ball. It doesn't make that much difference, the, the five, ten centimetres of pace you think you generate by, by getting close to the batsman and over that no ball line is insane. Get your foot behind the ball. Sorry, bowler rant. Yeah, because famously you are a fast bowling master. Famously, yeah. Well, I don't know how fast I am, but... Yeah, yeah delivering it from a great height, you know, as, ever, <laughs> as, ever, as everyone who knows you can attest. Oh, plenty of bounce. Yeah, plenty of bounce. Yeah, maybe with a racket ball. But gun to your head. <laughs> are you resting, Stark? Gun to your head. Uh, no, I'm not, because we're up 3-0, uh, and I think he's got such a great... Um, Average in performance with that pink ball and, and a pink ball in a at night test. I think I would pick him, um, but yeah. I, but as I said, I, I probably would have rested him for this test. But I, I think the there's a bigger risk in not playing him, and then we don't get the ball hooping around, and we and we you know lose to England. Um, you know, three one would not be reflective of how dominant we've been. I Disgusting. Think. Yeah, so I, I think I would pick him and and, and hope that he's fit. But as as I've Said before, definitely would arrest him for this test. Does the presence of Cam Green in the side make playing him a little bit easier because you don't have to over bowl him? Whereas in the past, we haven't had that fourth, you know, that legitimate fourth seamer. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you speak to a lot of people that play cricket, and, and what they expect from an all rounder in four or five day cricket is just to bowl maybe 10 or 12 overs a day and not necessarily to take a wicket. Uh, it's just to hold up one end, not let too many runs, and that's just to give the bowlers a rest. Cameron Green doesn't even do that. Not as is he pretty economical, but he now has a knack of taking wickets. I think he's got Joe Root a couple of times. He got a big wicket yesterday with an in-swinging Yorker. So he's more than just a, 
um, hey, let's give the fast bowlers a rest. He's a wicket taker. And that's what you want from an all-rounder. You want impact, especially when he's not always scoring a lot of runs. You, you need him kind of taking wickets, not just holding up an end. So, so I think Cambrian does take a lot of pressure off um, our bowling attack. And it might be the reason why Stark does play that fifth test. Yeah. Because they, they, they might say to Stark, hey, we're going to bowl in three over spells. Um, give it all you've got. Ball as fast as you can, swing as fast as you can, and then we'll we'll bring you back in, in short spells like that because you are starting to look a bit tired. Yeah, and you know, Cam Green batting average of 30, 30 and a half, bowling average 28 and a half. At the same stage in his test career, numbers are floating around yesterday, better averages in both than Ben Stokes after what eight tests. And I think it was Flintoff, might not have been, but it was those two, you know, elite all rounders. And um <laughs> You know, the issue with Green was always going to be, well, at the start was the wickets. But now that he's added that, like, same, once you get your first, you know, floodgates, more or less. So it's just the bat now that he's got to pick up. And, and this segues nicely because we can talk about the declaration. But firstly, it was nice to see him get some runs. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he was struggling. I don't think that's any exaggeration or hyperbole. He was really struggling. He looked it was like, harassing. Uh, he, he, he was harassing. He looked like a number 10 or a number 11 lunging at the ball, trying not to get out. He, he was playing the ball way out in front of his eyes. You know, we talked about Kwaja earlier playing right underneath his eyes. Green was playing right out in front. And you can see he, he was trying to smother the ball. But he's a natural, he's a stroke player. And I think once he started to hit a couple of boundaries, you could see him relax a little bit. Uh, you could see him kind of think, okay, I'm going to, you know, he started using his height, which is, you know, when you're six foot six, that is one of your assets. So he started to get on top of the ball and really started to lift that front leg so he could get on top of the ball and flay the ball through the leg side on the offside. So uh, hopefully that innings, he takes a lot from it because he looked pretty poor up until then. Uh, but hopefully that was a sign and we go, hey, you know, from a number six, you want a counter attacking number six, you can thrash the ball around. Um, as an all rounder, you know, 30 is the magic mark for both bowling and batting. If you can hover above 30 in both of those fields and that's all you have to do, we don't expect an all-rounder to average 45 or 50. He only has to average around 30 with the bat and 30 with ball and he, he, that's worth a spot. So hopefully he takes a lot of confidence out of that, that you know, playing some shots is probably what we need from him. We don't want him to plot around and just kind of be defensive at number six. Just go out there and have a smash. You're big, you're strong. Um, that's what we we want from you. You know, you know, a quick fire twenty five or thirty is more valuable to us than five or forty balls. Yeah, he'd also still be the fifth leading English run scorer. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, which is and he's still four, he's still nearly uh, he's still fifty behind Harris as well. <laughs> Jesus, um, but but no, like it was a and same with Kawaja, important runs because that second innings they were. They were on Struggle Street, you know. Harris, had, as, as usual, a well-compiled 25-odd before yep. a stupid shot or the nick, you know, one or nothing. And then ha- Marnus and Smith, again, 20-odds. So Green walked in at... Well, uh, and the young thing, it was that England's first innings, you know, they, they I won't say the tail wagged because there's more Bearstow and, and Stokes, but, you know, they, they got a lot closer than it looked like they were going to get at one well, stage. You know, Mark Wood, 39, yeah. And yeah, with 39, but I think at one stage they're going to be, you know, maybe 200 behind the first first innings, but they got, you know, under 100, I think, didn't they? So that put more pressure on our batsmen. You know, we weren't going to be able to go out there and just have a quick fire smash for two hours to get us in front by 300, 400. We actually had to bat properly because of how well England batted late on day two. Yeah, it was about uh, 120 the lead, yeah. Yeah, not day three. So. Um, yeah, late on day three, where Bearstow and Stokes batted really well. So there was some pressure on the Australian batsmen, and, and you know, there were some wickets that fell. So they were vital runs that Cambrian got. They weren't that wasn't just having a hit and a giggle with no pressure. They were they were crucial. Yeah, walked out there at four for 86. Yeah. And then, you know, a nearly 200 run partnership for, you know, sacrificing his wicket. But yeah, some of those shots once he got in, like that four to get to his 50, where he fetched the ball from like, LeBron James might have been able to hit that, but Usman ain't hitting that because it was just so high yeah. and wide. And he just cliche, but the long levers just got it and smacked it. You can, you can see what the, the strength of or the power of a six foot six person is when they get onto the ball. When they you do, I hate using levers because the, the commentators bang on about it, but it just does give you that extra power. Um, and he got on top of some balls that no one else could get on top of. Your point about Uzi, 
that would be Aussie would be hooking that if he wanted to play a shot at it. Whereas you know Cameron Green could get on top of it um, and hit it to where he wanted. So yeah, if he can, you know, everyone keeps talking about his potential, but at some point potential has to turn into performance. So hopefully he takes a lot out of that innings. He scored well in Sydney last year as well in the second innings from memory and started to free free himself. Up Similar role, I think they were they kept bringing yeah. it up because it was again like a a building runs to declare. Um, he got eighty odd. Yeah. Yep, so, um, you know, obviously enjoys batting the SCG, but as I said, without kind of repeating myself, hopefully he takes a lot from that because um, he, he'd been pretty poor up before this in this series. Maybe you should consider moving to New South Wales. Really guarantee his spot on the test side. It will happen. Um, but the declaration, obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing and we probably still had, you know, enough time to, to take 10 wickets. Um maybe a bit of fatigue towards later, later into day five, but you know, now that knowing what we know now too late declaration or like, not uh, really. I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say yes, but I think we created enough chances on day five. I think we dropped three catches. There was a missed run out. Um, we also lost seven overs to rain, which you could argue should probably should have budgeted that in because the other whole test has been affected by rain. So I don't the know, last 15 years in Sydney has been affected by rain. Yeah. Well, that's true. So I, I don't think the declaration was, it was in totality too late. I think we still had plenty of overs to, to get England out. Um, but I'm not sure sending Kerry out was needed, to be honest. <laughs> I, you know, probably only wasted another three or four minutes, but I think that was a bit silly as well. And someone made a really good point, is, uh, you know, and this will be Cummins, part of uh, Cummins's development progression as a, as a skipper, he needs to be aware that Alex Carey needs confidence. He dropped some catches in that test um, and sending him out to be a sacrificial lamb, you know, might have dented his confidence a little bit. You know, batting does flow into your keeping when you're in that position. So that probably is something Cummins should have thought about. And a very good suggestion from someone is that maybe Stark should have been sent out because who cares? He doesn't care about his average and he's batting well. He can hit a long ball. He will, probably would have been better as a pinch hitter if you did want an extra 25 runs. But I think we had enough runs on the board there. So, you know, I, I don't think the de- declaration came awfully late. But, you know, if people want to say it did based on the fact we needed one more wicket and probably another over could have done it, then I can understand that as well. But I'm not sure that's why we didn't win the test. Yeah, still had 102 overs at them. And I guess, you know, they, they batted for, I think, an extra three overs after Kalaja got his 100. So you could either say either declare as soon as he gets 100 or, you know, forget that, maybe declare when your lead was 320, 330, whatever, yeah. rather than whatever it ended up being. Um, but on Stark's average, you say he doesn't care about it. I think he's got a better average than Coley since 2018. That was floating around, so. Isn't he rated the fourth best all-rounder in the world or something? I think he's rated, higher than, I think he's rated higher than Stokes right now, isn't he? Or is it, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we brought it up. I don't know if it was the last one or one of the ones this series. We brought it up, you know, any bowler with it, you know, who scores 10 runs is all of, all of a sudden a bolt, an all-rounder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and then, you know, someone did say, you know, he's a better option because he's ne- he's not going to get dropped for his batting. So there's no pressure for him to score runs. But then I think Isaguru <laughs> brought up a good point of, yeah, but he also was about to go out and bowl. Do you want yeah. him to go out there and get hurt? So, you know, these are, these are all the kind of things you need to think about as a skipper, to be honest. It's not just one decision in isolation. Um, it, there's a bunch of flow-on effects every time you make a decision or don't make a decision. But, um, no, I, I don't think the declaration was too late, to be honest. No. Uh, we, there was enough time to get England out. We just went up to it. And um, I did enjoy the pettiness of declaring when Leach was on a hat-trick. Do you reckon he meant it, though? Like, no. as, as, as a captain, I don't think when someone else is on a hat trick, it's not even in your, on your radar because you're thinking about the batting. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure Cummins did it on purpose, to be honest. Oh, no, of course. Well, they weren't batting anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But, like, Cummins isn't sending himself or, you know, the bowlers out there to, to bat. Like, yeah. Kerry was always going to be the last wicket. I, it was just a nice little side bit of yeah. fuck, fuck you, England. <laughs> Yeah, but, but but there was a lot of commentary saying he did it on purpose to prevent him. I, I don't think that was. I don't think he even thought about the fact that Leach was on a hat trick. I, I think it was just a a, a byproduct of where they were, where Australia were. Like oh, I didn't, oh. I, I didn't, I didn't even register that he was on a hat trick because I was thinking, when are they going to declare? When are they going to declare? It wasn't until the commentators started banging on about it that I thought about, oh yeah, he was on a hat trick. <laughs> I guess you know Cummins was just so surprised. Like Jack Leach on a hat trick? Are you serious? <laughs> 
That would have been yeah. some st- stern words for the batsman there. Like, how dare you even consider? How this happened? Um, fast forwarding to day five and and that last session and the obvious comparison to make, but if you didn't immediately, you know, cast your mind images of Michael Clark against <laughs> Ishant Sharma. What did Clark, he took five for three, didn't he? In like four overs or something crazy like that? Yeah, yeah, it was about, yeah, wasn't it six for nine? Wasn't that the... No, that was over in India, I think. It was. Oh, okay. But yeah, well, yeah, something something stupid like that. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was thinking, especially when Steve Smith came on the bowl. Um, it was pretty funny there when that when the Paul Rifle came over and said, look, the light's too dark, you're going to have to bring on a spinner. And Marnus and Smith were looking at each other like, oh, who's the second spinner? Is it you or me? Is it you or me? Yeah. Um, which is pretty funny. But uh, obviously, you know, Smithy took a wicket, so it was the right call. But it's pretty funny that we have, have two leg spinners in there who were both picked as leg spinners when they started their test careers. Both of them weren't picked as batsmen. Both Marnus and Steve Smith batted at eight or seven or something as, as leg spinners. Now they hardly even bowl anymore. Was Marnus, um, Marnus wasn't a leg spinner, was he, when he started? Yeah, yeah he got picked as a leg spinner. I know Smith, obviously, everyone knows that, but yeah, Smith debuted at eight um, as a leg spinner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Marnus did the same. There you go. But um, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, the com- the conversation. Pat Cummins like looking around like shit. Which one are you? Which one are you? <laughs> wants Smith or Marn? Um, I, I I was just thinking, why can't Scott bowl and just bowl some off spin? I actually did think that. Like I thought, you know, does Cummins just want to stay on and but and bowl off spin or something like that? But I guess when you've got someone who has bowled a fair few overs at Test cricket, it's, it was the right call. Just just um, bowl a bunch of arm balls for Paddy. <laughs> It was 130k up. Like their spin, sir. What do you want? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's my quicker one. It's <laughs> a good point. How do you adjudicate what's too quick for a spinner? Yeah, because Joe Root bowled a bouncer earlier in the. He did. <laughs> he did bowl a bouncer to um. Yeah. Um. He he wouldn't bowl any bouncers to Cam Green though. They'd just be good length. Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> no, like and Smith. He ended up with what two overs, and he, apart from you knew the long hop was or the full toss, you know, was coming because it's just the nature of a part timer now. But he landed them pretty well. No, and they turned as well. I think he, I think he bowled quite well considering. Um, it's just a shame he actually, saved the. He, it's a shame he saved the rank long hop for the very last ball. What a waste! Yeah. I um, I actually did think he was going to do it. To be honest, I just had that feel about it. You know, I've seen this. It's like saying, saying I've seen this movie before. I, I, just, I honestly did think they were going to pull it off. And actually, about half a percent of me would have felt bad for England. Um, <laughs> no, I thought they played really well in this test, to be honest. You know, they batted well. Crawley got some runs in the second dig. Best, I obviously batted really well in both innings and got 100 in the first. You know, Stokes has found his form again. So, and they bowled really well, particularly in, in that second dig. So, you know, it, it I don't think it would have been fair for England to lose this test, if I'm brutally honest. I think it was probably the right result in the end because Australia were on, on top early. Um, would have been awesome to get a 5-0 whitewash or to go up 4-0 to at least give us the potential to be 5-0. But from a cricket point of view, if you take your Australia hat off, I think that's probably the right result for that particular test. I'll take off the iron jack hat that I'm wearing currently. Um. <laughs> You brought up Bear Stowen Crawley, and again, you know the fabulous thing that is hindsight. But you look at, especially Bear Stow coming in these last two tests. You know, why wasn't he there at the start? I don't know. Uh, I I think he's a better keeper than Josh Butler. I think he's a better bat, better than Josh Butler. So based on those two metrics, I, I don't know why he wasn't in the team to begin with. As a standalone batsman, he, he's got some experience in Australia and he scored some runs in Australia before. So that was very curious. And then if you look at the, the I don't want to pick on him. I, I know you don't like me picking on him, but Hamid's first-class average is 31. <laughs> he's, he, Hamid's first-class average is 31, and you would expect him to, you, you want him to do better at test cricket against better bowlers on, on harder pitches. That was just insane. So, you know, I think Zach Crawley, who's got, I think he's got a 250 in test level, in test cricket from memory. You probably look at it right now. I'll look it up, yeah. It's pretty insane when you look back that from the first test to the fourth test, Bairstow, um, Crawley, Broad and Anderson weren't in that first test team. And you look back now and it just looks 
absolutely insane. And I don't think that's hindsight because everyone questioned, particularly Anderson and Broad, not being in that first team, that was not hindsight. People were shocked the minute that was announced. Uh, but now you get to this fourth test and you just wonder what the hell England were thinking from batting to bowling, just across the across the field. Just feel like they got their selections wrong every time they could. Yeah, so Crawley's played 17 tests. He only averages 28 in tests, but he does have uh, a, a 267 is his, yeah. is his sole ton. Um, I, I don't know where that was, though. I think it might have been in New Zealand or against but New I mean, Zealand. But, I mean, if, if you're averaging 28 in test cricket and the guy that's picked ahead of you averages 31 in first Pakistan, class. sorry. Yep. Pakistan. So, you know, I don't think... There's not too many slouches that have scored 200 in, in test cricket, irrespective of the opposition or where it was, <laughs> apart from Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, they've got their selections wrong and they've paid the price. They finally entered the, the series, you know, four tests, three tests too late. If this was the first test, you'd be thinking, well, we've got a series in our hands here. They've got good bowlers. They've got good batsmen. They've got some momentum. But the series is over. You know, it, was, it, took to, it took for the series to be over for them to finally get the best team out on the park. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment, a bit of a shame. Yeah, where how many 10 tests at an average of 24 with no Which hundreds? Which no, flatters him. I think, I think um, yeah, because you, you enjoy texting me Hamid in capital letters whenever he gets out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you don't see him scoring 24 runs. And I even said to you, you know, Jack Leach has more shots, <laughs> like actual, actual attacking run scoring shots. Because Jack Leach Jack played Leach, some pretty good shots. Well, he whipped, one, he whipped one off middle stump through mid-wicket for four. And then about two hours later, he drove down the ground. I'm like, wow, that's two shots. That's two shots more than Hamid has. Yes. Plus he's got the Hamid special, which is blocking. And, and we, you've called Hamid an opening night watchman. So, Well, just, just back to Hamid. If his first class average is 31, I think he's got 600s. They must have been the most amazing 600s anyone's ever seen for him to be picked off that alone. That They must have been... That like this is the next Bradman type hundreds. They must have been so fluent and, and so elegant to, to to pick him. But can you imagine him scoring a hundred? Like where 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 would he get a hundred runs from? You're going to sneak it through slips like eighteen times. Like so he's got eight hundred. So please a bit of eight. Sorry, um, but his his top score is only one twenty two. So that doesn't never goes on with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked he's got 22, let alone 122. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Poor me. I wish I could look it up quickly, but I can't bother navigating Wisdom or Creek Info just when his last first class 100 actually was because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, maybe they should just open the batting with Jack Leach if it's a night watchman. Well, I mean, he's got more shots. He's got, and, you know, as Michael Vaughan was saying in commentary, he actually looks pretty solid coming forward and defending the ball. I mean, Vaughan kept on saying, please don't put Broad on strike. Just yeah. leech take everything. It's like, hang on. You're talking about the number eight or number nine should take, it should take every delivery. You normally yeah. say that about like a top six batsman. And I, and I know um, I, I've said, you know, it's funny that they're talking about protecting Broad when this guy's got a, a test ton. And I know his, his batting has turned to shit the last few years. Um, yeah, it has. I think it got pointed out to me. He averaged, I think, six last year. So, you know, he's he's turned into a bit of a mug. But I mean, yeah, like <laughs> he can still like he knows which end of the bat to hold. At least he, he's no James Anderson. <laughs> he have a hundred and one not outs in Test cricket, apparently. Hundred, yeah. Well, the record, whatever it is, yeah, one yeah. hundred and three or something now. But yeah, um, he. And, that, and that's obviously the mark of an elite batsman because he values his wicket, never never gives it away. Got to fight for it. But um, you brought up Bearstow and Butler both as, as keepers. Um, well, actually, before I move on to this, they were saying that maybe Josh Butler, his Test career is done, and they just he just goes away. He just focuses on white ball from now on. Well, he's um. They've sent him home too. Apparently that, that fracture or whatever that injury is to his hand that he sustained fielding or when he was keeping in the test, um, Joe Root said it was quite nasty. So he's gone home, uh, one would assume, to have surgery. And the, the commentary or the narrative is that he should concentrate on one, one white ball cricket and possibly be England's next captain in, in shorter formats to replace Morgan uh, and give away the test stuff. But uh, based on his keeping in this series, 
and his batting, to be honest. Oh, you, you couldn't imagine them persisting with him as the keeper anyway in test cricket. I think they'll probably look at someone else. Bairstow's hurt as well. So he's, he's got an injury to thumb. So I'm not sure he's going to be up to, to keeping for five days or, or, you know, two or three days in test cricket for Hobart. So they brought in... They brought in Sam Billings. Sam Billings, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, he was already in the country because he's playing Big Bash for the Sydney bash. Thunder. Yeah. He was due to fly home because they made the call to bring everyone back early that was picked for the limited overs tour of uh, the West Indies. Yeah. So there, there was, I think, six big bash players. Billings was one of them and a few others, but they've decided to reroute Billings to camp. So he, yeah. he, he joined the team, I think, today or yesterday or whenever or tomorrow yeah. um, and is now a chance to, I think it's test debut. Yes. Which, think, which surprises me considering England played 3,000 tests a year. <laughs> I think it's more hilarious that he's the fourth ranked keeper. <laughs> well, Ollie Pope kept in the second innings. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I tend to think he's probably got the inside line just because he has already played this series. But Yeah, right. The only thing is, you know, given how dynamic a batsman um, Billings is, whether they just want to roll the dice and see what he's like in, in test cricket. You know, they've got, they've got nothing to lose. It's a dead rubber. It's in Hobart. Uh, the series is long gone. Um, they obviously need to make some quite sweeping changes to their test team. So it wouldn't be the worst time to experiment and kind of see what they've got. Maybe they pick Pope as well. I don't think Pope looked too bad batting in this series. It just looked like he was in a bit of a rush at times. But, you know, I actually don't think they're as far away from being an okay side as a lot of people are saying. I know they haven't necessarily done a fantastic job with the selections, but there is a little bit of talent in and around the squad. I just don't think that they've got their tactics or the selections right. The biggest issue is, you know, their bowlers, you know, Emerson's 39, Ward's 35, but they've got, you know, if Archer comes back, Wood's obviously really good. You know, if, if your opening attack is Archer and Wood, and then that third seamer rotates between Robinson and Wokes and a few others, it's not that far away from being an okay side. Leach showed a little bit in this test. They just got to sort out the batting, to be honest. They, they, they've just been so focused on one-day cricket as a nation for six or seven years that they don't have any guys that just can occupy the crease. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's really just the openers because I think that the middle order, if you include Bairstow in that instead, yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. It's 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 just who your long-term keeper is, and then I guess who, if you think Crawley is one of the guys, and Crawley hasn't had a tremendous Test career, but at least he's shown a bit of something. But it, yeah, I mean, now that Stokes is back in a bit of form, that middle order suddenly now looks a lot pretty solid. You know, Root into, into Stokes into Besto is not the worst four, five, six going around. Yeah. Milan, Milan's had an okay right. series, yeah. Yeah, he started all right. He's kind of fallen away a little bit and kind of suffered with the pace and the bounce a little bit. But if they can get, and Crawley does look good, but if they can get another opener and a, num, a number three or Milan, Milan's pretty old, isn't he? Like, I, I think he's older than you think. I think he's like 30. He's only about 30, 32. He's not that old. Yeah, right. So, the test cricket you know, is not that old. No, they just, they just they just need to find a couple of openers. Thirty four. There you go. <laughs> Thirty four. Yeah. So he's, he's just a touch older, and, and you know, when modern the way that you know modern athletes look after themselves, thirty four is probably the new thirty. So let's not just kick him to the curb just yet. But you know, they do need to find some openers. You can't have people coming in. I think, didn't they say like Root has come in within the first ten overs of a test match like eight times or ten times or something? That's just ridiculous for number four. Yeah. Well, maybe they, maybe they can consider opening the batting with extras. <laughs> well, it is a third leading run score for England this year. Yeah. Well, they've dropped the second, so they might as well just keep going down the list to, to third. I mean, yeah. Joe Root is not this type of person, but a full alpha fuck you mode would be like, right, I'm opening the next test. I pretty much am anyway, you motherfuckers. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going out there to open myself. <laughs> Yeah, um, that, you can see AB or someone like that doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just pulled up Sam Billings' Wikipedia because that's the the um, the Bible for cricket stats. Uh, Sam Billings has a higher average in ODIs than Hamid does in first class. Oh, my God. So Billings' first class record, 74 games, average of 34, which for mm-hmm. a, I assume, I don't know, I don't know where he's batting, but I'm assuming it's 6-7. Yeah. Um, 600s, yeah, right, and 1450s, yeah, for over 3,000 runs. Probably does deserve at least one chance just to see what he's got. Why not? I mean, you've got nothing to lose, it is literally the deadest of dead rubbers. Um, you know, that 
the pink ball moves around a bit, which, you know, it's, it's a good chance to see what you've got, I reckon. I, I think they should be in full experiment mode for this testing on um, and, looking forward to, and looking forward to what they have moving forward, if that makes sense. The only issue is, again, like England's keepers, they're all pretty good, but they're also all sneaky old. Like Billings is already 30 as well, so. Oh, is he? Yeah, yes. right. Yeah, Besto's 32. I think Butler's 32 as well. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're hardly, well, Butler's 31. Yeah, yeah, they're all that same age bracket. But yeah, Billings has a pretty good first-class record considering he's probably batting at seven. I mean, his first-class record's better than the test opener, which isn't great. <laughs> and a top score of 171. So he goes on with it. He goes on. Based on one score, he goes on yeah, with it. Yeah, he goes on with it. He goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So who? Do you, so do you think Billings will play? Uh, not based on what you just said. If Pope's considered ahead of him, it looks like. Well, I don't know. I would certainly. That's just that's just based off the gut feel of him already being in the squad for the whole series. I, I think they've been crazy not to see what they've got. You know, I think you, you couldn't pick a mead. There's pro- probably no point going back to Rory Burns just for this test. I, I, I'd have a look at as many of these people on the fringes as possible to see what you've got. You know, we've done that in Australia many times before where you just kind of discover something in the dead rubber that you can move forward from. Yeah, um, poor old Curtis Patterson. Yeah, I, I definitely think England should be looking forward to where, especially based on what you just said from you know, an age point of view. If Milan's 34, you know, Bears those 32, you know, it's not the youngest side ever, which is not a great place to be. So, you know, Anderson's 39, Anderson's uh, Broad's 35. Um, so, you know, I think this would be a bit of a reckoning for them. I think that, you know, you've got to hit rock bottom to bounce back up and they certainly think they've hit rock bottom on this tour. So I think they should be looking forward about, you know, what should the test team be in the next 18 months? The issue is though, who have they got left? They've sent everyone home, like half all their squad depth they've sent home. So maybe it is literally just, well, you're still here. I guess you can have a game. Last man standing. Um, couple of final ones, the SCG pitch. Bit of, bit of something for everything. Yeah, I, I don't like the CG pitch. I've got to be honest. I, I think leading into the How test, it's always well. Leading into the test, it's always you've got to play two spinners. It's a it's a turner. It's a turner. You know, you've got to pick two spinners, and everyone's like, it hasn't been a turner for ten years. It's such an old narrative. So then, no one picks two spinners. Then the first day, it always looked pretty flat, good for batting. Then it really deteriorates about day three, and everyone's like, oh, you won't want to face this on day five. It's really going to break up. And it doesn't. It goes back to being good again. It's a really weird pitch. I really can't get the handle on it. The only, the only thing I'd say is, you know, because there was so much rain around, I'm not sure the pitch got as much, as much sun as it normally would. And that normally does dry it out and break it up a bit more. So maybe we shouldn't be too harsh on it. But it is the weirdest pitch, I reckon. Uh, now that Melbourne sorted their shit out and got a really good test pitch, I think it's the weirdest pitch out of the five or six now with Hobart um, of the test playing stadiums in australia like i just i don't know how you describe what the sydney pitch is now you know what you're going to get at the gabber and the whacker it's going to be fast it's going to be bouncy it's going to be hard melbourne now is offers a little bit for the bowlers gabber sorry adelaide gives gives you everything and then you've got those short boundaries what's sydney i don't, I don't know how you describe sydney now as a pitch honestly it's don't. a raging turner mate come on <laughs> it's been a raging turner for about 10 years it's hilarious so I guess we spoke about it before uh, last episode. Maybe they were going to pick Swepson in the same vein that maybe England picks Billings just to see what they've yeah. got. Um, yeah. I guess not too surprised that he didn't play. Maybe mildly disappointed, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, it would have been a bit of a gamble, but considering we've got a tour of Sri Lanka and Pakistan coming up on the subcontinent, you're going to need some spinners there. Considering you've got an all-rounder in green, Considering the series is wrapped up, there was no better time, I think, to, to have a look at Sweepson, to be honest. And, um, and ultimate hindsight, late on day five, they couldn't bowl pace yeah. anymore. It, well, well, he would have been pretty handy on that fifth day. When we, 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 not, not just late, but just in general, to have another spinner there. Because you know, part of the issue with Nathan Lyon is he's an awesome bowler when the, when the, the batsmen need to score runs. The minute they shut up shop, he doesn't have a lot of variation. And even that, like the lower end, of the tail enders can kind of block him out because he's only got like one or two deliveries, if we're honest. I know he tried to bowl a bit flatter and a bit faster sometimes, but he's a much better bowler when players need to score runs or when batsmen need to score runs. So I think it would have been an awesome opportunity to look at Swipson, to be honest. And he could have come in for Star. 
um, to give him a rest for, for Hobart. And then suddenly you've got, you know, your attack could have been Cummins, Green and Bolan. That's enough. You know, give Smith some overs as well. I, I think they probably missed a chance just to look at him because we're going to need him in the subcontinent. So why wouldn't you look at him anyway? The flip side of that is that wicket's not the raging turner it used to be. And I think it should be to give it a bit of character. You know, it, you always used to say you knew what you're going to get at the five grounds and Sydney was the turner. And it was good to have those five different grounds that all offer different things in Australia. But that Sydney pitch is a bit strange now. It's not shit, but it's just a bit, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't I have no idea how I'll describe it. Sydney's now more known for rain than turn. Yeah, I know. Apparently, the meteor- meteorologist backed up Warney's opinion that they should swap the Gabber and SCG test. I'm like, don't validate Warney. This is the worst <laughs> thing you could do. I didn't, I missed that. Yeah, they said it's actually true that uh, Queensland is drier in the first week of January than it is when the, the Gabber test is held, and Sydney is drier at that time of year. Which I'm not sure is true. My, my birthday's in November and it always rains. So I'm not sure how true that is. But anyway, <laughs> I, am, I am sick of missing some cricket in, in Sydney. It rains every year now. It's annoying. It does. Yeah. I, I think I said last time I haven't gone to a, a day at BSD that wasn't rain affected. I mean, I've only been like three times, but that's a big enough sample size as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, it's plenty, of t- plenty enough to have an opinion. Yeah. Well, that's I'm known for opinions. It's what people come here for. Yeah, but I've, I've got speaking of opinions, I'm all out. I got nothing left. You got anything yeah. before I let you go back to oh. whatever you do as a single dad? You told me you told me you had bags of opinions today. Yeah, but you know people are lining up for them, but they're all they're all out now. No, I got to go play with books, kids. Unfortunately, so um, <laughs> well, uh, Dude, these are these are some references that no one else will get. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm all good. And n- nothing else on the raw? Uh, not yet. Every time I go to write something, it's already been written by someone. So <laughs> that's yeah, a problem with everyone having opinions and takes and platforms these days. It's very hard to have anything original to say. Yeah, well, we'll see your next piece in about might, You know what? I might go write why Australia should retain Marcus Harris. That'll be original. It'll be shit and wrong, <laughs> but it'll be original. It'll just be a series of gifts. You thought this was a serious article. <laughs> if, you're, if you're reading this, it's too late. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, we'll see you after the fifth test in Hobart. Um, we'll do. Hopefully a 4-1. No, 4-1. 4-0. 4-0. Um, maybe we'll have a, an England win. I hope not. But yeah. Hopefully it's a, what do I call that, a grey wash? Let's go with grey wash. Grey wash, sweet. Let's invest, invent a term here. Like on the- <laughs> All right, mate. Have a good one. All right, mate. See ya.